1: Welcome to the Arsenal Vision Post Match Podcast. And welcome to the Arsenal Vision Post Match Podcast. This is Mean Lean from arsenalvision.co.uk. In today's show, Paul and Tim will be discussing the 2 1 victory at home to Leicester City. Yes. Thank you, Danny Welbeck. Thank you, thank you, thank you very much. Because I haven't enjoyed an ending like that to a game in a long time. A last-minute winner is always always the best way to win a game. I have a young family, right? I watch the game at home. And sometimes, you know, when you've got a young family, you've got to sort of control your emotions a bit. But there are times when it's out of your control. When Welbeck scored, I went crazy. I was roaring like an animal. I turned around eventually. And uh, they all had rather confused looks on their faces. We're now two points behind Leicester, um, it could have been eight points, which is qu- quite scary. It might have been over by that point, but we've turned it around. Some tough games coming up, at least we're getting players back on the pitch now, and uh, hopefully we can start picking up our form as well. Uh, slight improvements recently, but there's still a bit to do, we're not clicking as we, as we can. Players like Alexis can get back into um, his best form, then you never know, we've got a chance so let me hand you over to the guys and I'll be back after the whole city match
2: welcome to the Arsenal Vision podcast today it's just me and Timmy Timmy and uh, Elliot and James aren't available James is busy being James and Elliot, well Elliot has his reasons something about a hotel room in Miami poor internet connection but I think we all know the real reason he's not on the pod today so, with little further ado, on with the pod. Welcome, Tim. Thank you. I'm not sure what to make of that. I think I say that before every game, but in th- this game in particular, I really don't know what to make of it. But um, your boy, Danny, you seem pretty. Yeah. seem to get quite of enjoyment out of, of Danny. I think you had the you caught picked up on that shrug of the shoulders they gave <laughs> I, I only found out about the uh, him getting a card cuz of uh, your tweet on that so did you see yeah. it live or yeah, you saw yeah. it on the internet
3: yeah yeah no i saw it live because um i i sit right next to the center circle so like when they're all walking back you know i have i have a great view of everything it's all kind of down below me so yes i saw i saw it in real time it was just absolutely Classic. I mean, this is a guy. Well, I think I'm right in saying we've gone past the. Um, there's been like a an, an amnesty on the five yellow card thing now. I think I'm right in saying that. So you need ten yellow cards for a suspension. So basically, Danny Welbeck. Not only are you not going to get sent off when you just been booked in the 94th minute, but he needs another nine yellow cards in the last 12 games for that to have any effect whatsoever. So, even if that was going through his mind at the time i just loved i just love the did you ever see that friend's episode where um the the Joey doesn't share food um episode and um he's he's going on a date with this girl and she keeps trying to nick some of his food and he's you know won't have it and then there's a scene at the end where she walks off and leaves her dessert and he eats it, and she comes back and he just says. I'm not even sorry and it just it just looked exactly <laughs> like that. It was just I, I really really don't care. It was just a classic reaction. Yeah.
2: Um really he should have booked like yeah. five or six yeah, yeah, players. Yeah.
3: yeah, he could have not easily just the one. and and you know Ramsey had already been booked and he went in there. Um Yeah. So you know, it, it, he could
2: have been red carded. It,
3: it could well have been as well. <clears throat> I mean, it, I think mean, it just exposes what stupid rule it is really. Um <clears throat> but, It is, yeah. But there you go. Um, But it it was absolutely fantastic. And um, I I really, really, I've been thinking, you know, the last few days, I can't remember a goal at the Emirates like that. I really, really can't. There have been some, you know, some big ones, some important ones, some brilliant ones and the rest of it. I can't remember going that mad over any goal um, that we've scored in that stadium. The only one I could search for really was... Um, Omri against Manchester United, similar sort of time in the game. But we weren't really going for anything that season, so it was nice in isolation, but it didn't feel like it had a wider meaning. Whereas this, you know, hopefully this will, obviously we don't know yet, but it, it kind of felt like it, you know? Um, and even when, yeah. when Erza when Mesut was spotting up the free kick, John, who I sit with, he just said to me, whole season on this free kick, which, um, you know, I, I, I feel it was a little bit overstating the case, but it wasn't far off. Um, and you know, it was, it was yeah. just absolutely, I, I just can't remember leaping up and down quite like that for any goal at the Emirates. Um, it, it really felt, it felt huge. And, um, I think there was a lot that went into it as well. There's some frustration with, you know, some of Leicester's tactics. Um, you know, I, I, I thought there was quite a lot of kind of rotational fouling and things like that, but but, but stuff that that good teams do that perhaps we don't sometimes. Um, yeah. Although that said, you know, like I was saying, I get a really good view of when the players go back to centre afterwards, <clears throat> and Ramsey had the ball under his arm and he just launched it into into our half, um, and the and the referee didn't spot it for ages. Um, and then, like Moreo sheepishly had to go and like go and retrieve it under the steely gaze of the referee, and you know rolled it very, very gently into the center circle, so you know there, there wasn a, a you know perhaps a little bit of finally a little bit of kind of quite welcome game professionalism exactly yeah. exactly and you know well uh,
2: and i know, I know that 's one of your favorite topics, and it kind of ooh. occurred to me in this game uh, we saw with Alexis appealing for that yellow card and yeah. then Girou violently. Yeah. You know, I wonder if as this season gets from the, you know, good performances, trying to get the team to where it is, to the last 10 or so games, trying to close this thing out, if we don't see a whole level of competitiveness yeah. and professionalism, that we have the luxury or at least in our own minds, of not indulging in for, for the the first two-thirds of the season. Um, mm. You know, they played yesterday, or not yesterday, but they played against Leicester like their lives depended on it. Yeah. And in a football sense, maybe they did, not to be too dramatic. But, mm. you know, we also discussed uh, must-win games, and you said every game's a must-win game. And I kind of agree with that. Yeah. But some, some are must-winnier than others, yeah, and this was an absolute... I think we might have made rationales for why a draw would have been a bad result, but not lethal. But it mm. probably was lethal, especially after Spurs. Somehow that Spurs result was a big result too. Yeah. And it's it just you, you look back on this weekend, and if we just got a draw against Leicester, uh, it feels like it would have been curtains to me. Yeah.
3: Yeah, if, if we'd have drawn this, then you're looking at the game, particularly at White Hart Lane in a couple of weeks, and then you're saying that's a, a must win. Um, whereas yeah. now, I mean, depending on how the next result, the next two results go before that, because a lot can change, but now you're looking at it and thinking, well, yeah, a, you know, a draw wouldn't be, wouldn't be too bad. Wouldn't though. be terrible. No, exactly. We could, we could live with that. Um, you know, if the table looks similar to what it does now um yeah whereas otherwise you'd be putting yourself under massive pressure to to have yeah. to go and win that and um yeah there was there was a real sense in the stadium when that that went in i, I think we all knew it how significant um that, that was and i think you're right I, you know I, I was thinking to myself in the last couple of minutes you know well a draw uh, you know with five points behind Leicester, i still think and i know i I've been saying this for a few months like everyone else. I, I still don't think that Leicester would quite have the stones to see this out. Um, and I stand to be proven wrong, of course, but I think they've already proved me pretty massively wrong anyway.
2: Um, yeah.
3: but They were bloody good, weren't they? They, they were. Like, you know... They worked so, like I, I. thought. I think you're right. I, I thought Arsenal played very well. It was very good performance. Yep. all the way through. I thought we looked really up for it, but Leicester fight you for every single millimetre. They absolutely scrap for everything. I, you know, I've rarely yeah. seen a team work. I've seen some really hard working teams, and I think there are a few in the Premier League now. Um, there are a few very fit teams um but that I mean they were absolutely tooth and nail for every single second and every single ball and you know if we'd have been anywhere below our kind of physical you know if we hadn't been up to it physically we'd have been really really punished and you know the the red card really <laughs> was was the only yeah. thing that separated the teams physically um Certainly, because the first half, I, th- I thought, you know, we were pretty much on top, but without really getting in behind them too often. Although their line yeah. looked quite high in the first half, and I started to wonder to myself, well, m- maybe was Theo a better selection than Giroud here? But mm. uh, the-, the way the game ended up turning out, Giroud was the absolute perfect selection, really, and they dropped deeper. Yeah. and it, you know, it was. Uh, I, I thought overall, I thought it was a fantastic game. I thought it was very, very worthy of the billing. Um, you know, two very, very good teams, really, really fighting. Um, whereas often these games, you know, yeah, like um, I think of like Chelsea-Man New games from the last five, six years, and they're just unbelievably dull. Um, whereas this yeah. was this was a real blood and thunder. It was a cracker. It was a yeah, yeah. yeah even from the neutral point of view, and as much as you know, I. Like, on one hand, I didn't enjoy Leicester's, some of Leicester's tactics. I'll say, you know, they weren't, they weren't completely, you know, beyond the pale, but <clears throat> I thought there was quite a bit of gamesmanship in there. But then there's a part of me that thinks, well, that's possibly like a very small part of the reason why they're up there with the big boys now, cause they're playing with the gloves off. Um, and that's, that's, you know, how many times have we spoken about that on this podcast? That's,
2: that's what the big boys yeah. do.
3: They play with the gloves off.
2: Um, and interestingly for once it was their undoing the rotational yeah. fouling because you can say Simpson you know he was on it was a soft red a lot of people have said that but it's the flip coin of rotational fouling I, I think interestingly as well you know we talk about all the play up in Alexis's corner yeah. uh, I joked about moving the midfield there from the last game yeah. but maybe one of the benefits one of the accidental benefits was they rotationally fouled in the one area over a uh, five or six minutes so it was the same guys who picked up the fouls if if we'd been moving it around the pitch more than that it might have been the right back then the left back then the midfielder but we had you know so much shit going through the left hand side kind of showed up the yeah. rotational fouling mentality and they got caught out maybe the referee didn't quite realize before he made up his mind that that it was a yellow which it was yeah. that it was the same you know i, I personally I wouldn't be very good yeah i don't think i'd be very good at remembering who i'd already booked no no um so i'd be a classic oh shit i didn't i just book you oh fuck oh well yeah, all right it's a that. red yeah yeah yeah. And,
3: yeah and and on your point you know about alexis um Again, because I'm, I'm planning to write about that this this week, I, I looked up some of the, the passing combos. Top three um, in the game, not yeah. just Arsenal. Ramsey to Alexis, yep. Mumrao to Alexis, Ozil to Alexis. Top three passing yep. combos. Top three from the Bournemouth game, Ozil to Alexis, Mumrao to Alexis, Alexis to Ozil. Top three yep. from Southampton, Ozil to Alexis, Mumrao to Alexis. I mean, you're seeing a theme here, aren't you, really? Yeah.
2: Um, and, I, and if I remember right, the fourth uh, combination might be r- like Ramsey to Monreal, yes, Monreal or Monreal to Ramsey.
3: Or, which, yeah.
2: Which is basically the same thing. Yeah. You know, he, uh, Alexis has sucked them into his corner, and when they don't pass to him, they pass to each other. And if you look at Ramsey's hot spot on the pitch, it's right where you'd expect him to be kind of as the connective tissue to that triangle up in that corner. So, kind of fascinating. But you, you touched on selection. So, yes. the, I'd done my 11-man pick before the game. I think the, my major difference was Oxlade-Chamberlain. Mm. I I'd decided I'd play Campbell there to give Bellerin some cover along that wing because that's where all the trouble was going to come with with Vardy and they were going to target Per Mertesacker and blah, blah, blah. Mm. And So, I would have played Campbell. And if you look at the first thirty minutes, oxlade Chamberlain kind of runs riot there on a regular basis, getting in behind. And I'm thinking, actually, this is kind of an inspired choice. Mm. Uh, he gave them conniptions. Three, four, uh, I counted four really good crosses that, unfortunately, we didn't bury, but could have. Um, and then the other, the flip side of that is. Per Mertesacker wasn't in trouble once in that 90-something minutes, which is amazing. I, I, and I'm still... To, and when you look at their heat maps, everything goes down the right-hand... Yeah. Their, their right-hand wing. Even Vardy does most of his attacking from that side. Not not exclusively, but almost everything... Going, did, what was your reading on A, the selection, especially mm. looking from, from that spoin- standpoint, and B... That, you know, of all the fullbacks to target, I understand Mares kind of has that Alexis attraction to him. But Monreal got the attention. And I, I thought he had a really good game apart from the, the two almost penalties. But mm. I think that's what those two players do to you. Yeah. Kind of talk us through. There's a few aspects in there. Take your pick out of that.
3: Okay, well. I Even before the injury to Gabriel, I wanted uh, Mertesacker to start, and um, the reason was exactly borne out, because so long as Mertesacker, and I think he's an intelligent enough guy to know, particularly after what happened for the first goal at Leicester, um, as long as he didn't get himself into a position where he was in a foot race, um, I just don't think it was a problem, and he didn't. And uh what you saw was exactly what I wanted to see, which was, you know, Koshelney in the first half and then Chambers, who I did, did brilliantly in the second half. I was yeah terrified of um yeah. of of but I thought he was absolutely excellent. And what and what you had was you just had Pear sitting back and not getting himself into a position where he was going to be outpaced. So he let his centre back partner Get in the foot race with Vardy and it's just, well, do you know what? If, if you can't win it and he beats you, I'm here. And then, you know, it's not a matter of pace anymore. He has to get round me. Um, and you know, Vardy's going to murder Mertesacker in a foot race, but in you know, a one on one, maybe not so much. That's not as much Vardy's speciality is, is not beating people with the ball at his feet. So I wanted that to happen, mm. even irrespective of Gabriel's fitness. And I thought it, absolutely bared out that way. Um, and, you know, Bellerin, I think, certainly before the sending off, was quite a bit more conservative. Um, the yeah. reason for Chamberlain, I think, is because the thing is with Joel Campbell, he was giving us a nice balance because he's quite tidy with the ball. The problem is, since Alexis has come back, as we've said in the last few games, everything is going to the left-hand side. So on the few occasions it does come to the right, and actually, if you look at a lot of our goals recently, um, they've been a, like we were saying after the Bournemouth podcast, been quite direct. They've been crosses, they've been knockdowns. It's um, it's not vengeable, quite. It's quite direct. But b, um, Joel Campbell's use as a kind of as a counterbalance is lessened when so much of the play is going down the left. So the few times it comes to the right, we need somebody who can do something on his own um i.e. beat yeah. a player and get a in. whereas Joel Campbell looks to make connections, he likes one twos, which is great, but if everybody is 40 yards over the other side of the pitch and he's left on his own, I, you know, it just, it doesn't have yeah. as much use, there's no combo to be had there and he can't really beat players, whereas Chamberlain, as kind of erratic as he can be, at least if you leave him on his own with the ball, you know he can go and take the full
2: back on and then get a in. Um, yeah, so, and co- and conversely with Leicester, uh, obviously their tactic is to sit deep yeah. and and in this the centre, and they give you the wings, yeah. and they gave Oxide Chamberlain the wing, and he kind of tore them a new one for a while. Uh, it was also interesting, uh, you know, uh, of the games of the teams you would think you would play against were giving them lots of crosses wouldn't help them. Arsenal would be kind of your primary candidate for oh we can let the ha- them have the wings they won't do that much with it um, in terms of crosses and aerial and bombardments and yet we won practically every every heather I think uh, uh, um, so in the breakdown Adrian Clark did his thing yeah and pretty much his man of the match was Giroud I thought he was excellent yeah. I thought. Headers. Uh, obviously, it was, there was the knockdown for Theo's goal, which was, you know, the only word is deft. Yeah. Um, but with what he, you know, you can criticize him for lots of stuff, but for what he has in his locker, he did all all of it to the nth degree. I thought he was absolutely superb, aggressive. You know, Hooth is a monster, but uh, he was absolutely matched by Giroud yeah. uh, all through that game. Well, but it did seem like they laid off the, the wings to us. And on the one hand, we kind of, we camped over there with Alexis and they, put a, they did put a lot of focus on him. But it did give us, you know, if you look at where the the goals came from with Bellerin and the crosses and the amount of time he had to put it in, that was the gamble they took. And yeah. in the end, it didn't pay off.
3: Yeah, exactly. We, we put in 50 crosses um in this game. Yeah. Compare that to Liverpool away a few weeks ago, six crosses. Yeah. Um yeah. I've got the numbers here actually. 16 against Stoke, yeah. 22 against Chelsea, 33 against Southampton. So they're starting to creep up because we're coming becoming a little bit more direct.
2: Um yeah. and welcome back Danny Welbeck too. Exactly.
3: And there, there are and I suppose we get onto this um we're going through the game slightly chronologically, but I think one of the things that happened yeah, as well, slightly that the moment Benger decided to put Welbeck on, I saw it um, clearly was when Monrail put a cross in and Giroud was on his own in the box. Yeah, and Benga yeah. obviously thought, Right, we need another player in the box um, to you know make these crosses a bit more worthwhile. The other thing that happened was. I think Ranieri's substitutions after the red card mm. played absolutely into Arsenal's hands because he took off Mares and Okazaki in quick succession. He should have kept one of those guys on. Um, probably I can understand why he takes Mahrez off. O- Okazaki is a really hard worker, plays off the of body brilliantly. The second he takes both of those players off, then... It was, it was hog heaven for the fullbacks, you know, <laughs> that, you know, they, yeah. they, they were absolutely, they had no defensive responsibility whatsoever anymore because it was just like, right, we leave Chambers back, we leave Pair back, they'll deal with Bardi and there's no other threat around him. And that meant that Monroe in particular could just, you know, play like Roberto Carlos just didn't even have to worry about being in his own half at any point. Um, yeah. So, you know, those and, and that obviously played into us going down the left a lot more, that played us into us getting more crosses in. And uh yeah, I, I watched the breakdown with Adrian and I you know, I thought he made the point very, very well that Arsenal from the very first minute, um, you know, when Ursula went down the right were were more than content. Mm. And um we we've seen it a lot over the years with Arsenal where teams have this tactic to force us out wide because, you know, we like to build play through the centre usually, well actually um, what the last four or five games show you is that Arsenal are absolutely not bothering to build through the centre anymore. When you look at the passing combos, and like I say, I've, I've been looking this stuff up because I'm writing about it, um, there's no, there's very very little centre-back to centre midfielder going on, and centre midfielder, to, you know, it, it's not going yeah. through the centre, it's centre-back to winger, centre back to full back, getting everything over to Alexis, it's all about going wide. And actually what what we've kind of done, particularly in this game, is turn you know, turn what our opponents often deem to be a big weakness for us and we've gone and turned it into a strength. And again that's another reason why Chamberlain would have played. Um because he likes to stay nice and wide to that touch line. Um yeah. and if that's where Wenger thought the space was then and also I can't remember who it was. I think it might have been Adrian again on the cast on Friday when he was previewing the game. He said that um Leicester don't have many weaknesses in their back four, but Danny Simpson is possibly the weakest link in the chain. Mm-hmm. Um and that being the case, getting the ball to Alexis to take him on at every opportunity was was probably a deliberate tactic and you know as much as the sending off definitely changed the game. Um I think there's a large degree to which Arsenal manufactured that situation for themselves because of the way they chose to play and they chose to target him. And obviously that's why. So, you know, I think it wasn't complete felicity for us that they had a player sent off. I think we, we know we at least to some degree knowingly engineered that situation.
2: Yeah. And you live by the sword, you die by the sword, and their rotational fouling did them in, so fuck them. Um, So uh, the other interesting thing was on the commentary for the game on Arsenal player, um, Adrian Clark is doing the co-commentary, and as Welbeck comes on, he says, well, the script is written for Danny Welbeck, so I think pretty prescient. But you can see getting, uh, uh, as we look, over the next X number of games to the close of the season, assuming it goes the way we would want it to do, where we're in the chase right to the end and beyond, you can see the situation where we're sending on, if we don't already have both on already, Giroud and Welbeck, mm. so that we can put a full court press on, so we can get that pressure in there. Because we've kind of been anemic for a while in terms of closing out games or in terms of chasing In fact, we've seen games where we've looked good for 10 or 15 or 20 minutes chasing it in the second half, but then just run out of puff. Mm. And here was a game in which we brought on two subs, both scored, both completely different options. But man, does your bench change in a space of a week or two when you look down there. And you know, Campbell doesn't get on the field. You bring on Welbeck on whatever that was, 82 minutes. You bring on uh Theo on 70 minutes and Theo's doing his thing as a almost a second striker making you know he makes that little run that picks up the the deft knockdown but actually about 5 seconds before that he makes that exact same run and he trots back to the same position and makes it a second time uh and that's kind of that was his gig the other interesting thing with Theo was he had like Something like 30 passes, 32 passes or something. Mm. Don't have it in front of me. Which, for Theo, in a normal game, is actually slightly high, sadly. Yeah. But he was only on for 20 minutes, yeah. which maybe tells you just how open the wing was yeah. and how much space they had down there. But, you know, you have different options there, different options up front – and different combinations of two or three strikers, when we, we're now sending on all the strikers instead of all the full backs, yeah. if we can keep everybody fit, it augurs well for much more of a fergie time last 10 minutes as we chase that extra goal in some of these critical matches we're going to face uh, running in towards the end of the season. Yeah. Is that a fair statement?
3: Yeah, absolutely. And, and as you alluded to, it's, it's, um, what's, what's nice about our selection of strikers, I've, you know, not, if, if you're taking, sorry, Jerube, Walcott and Welbeck as our strikers, none of those players sure. are world class, but they're all kind of seven, eight out of ten. But what we've really got in our favor, um, and I think Benga's built this quite deliberately in lieu of that magic world class striker we really want. He's got three very good strikers who've got very different qualities and who bring very different things to the party. And, and, you know, how often have we seen this season the the kind of Giroud Walcott tag team? Because either way, they present completely different challenges. Um, and actually, Welbeck can, Welbeck's like a nice hybrid between Giroud and Walcott. You can kind of do a little bit of everything they can do, perhaps not quite as well, but. You know, as we saw, he can get on and get in the air. He can get on the end of knockdowns. He's got a bit of pace. He's got good hold up play. Um, you know, Welbeck's one of those players who doesn't do anything brilliantly, but does everything well. Um, whereas, you know, Walcott's probably on the other end of that spectrum in that there's lots of things he's terrible at and there's lots of things he's really good at. And, you know, Giroud has, very identifiable qualities and if if you're defence that's a problem because you know how like how do you cope with that varied threat you know do you go and attack the striker do you play the high line do you all sit back if you know there's they're giving you different problems um then it's very very difficult to know what to do and, and actually get mentally tired as much as anything um Trying to overthink it, whereas you know, as you say, we've just not had anybody to be. You know, if we'd have been able to do this against Stoke, for example, imagine if we'd have been able yeah. to throw on, you know, have we, we did a wobie for Walcott at Stoke because it was all we could do. Um, yeah. And you know, Joel Campbell played the whole ninety minutes. Imagine if we'd have been able to throw on Walcott and Welbeck then. Imagine against Southampton, Welbeck yeah. as well. You know, we might have got. Uh, you know, probably in one of those games would have got a goal, maybe not in both of them, but we might have. You never know. So it's 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 definitely. The, this worth was absolutely
2: made. going to be a Southampton type finish yeah. where we battered them. We had a bunch of chances. Uh, now it does speak to the other issue at the moment, which is. Finishing of chances, or if you want to look at the statistics, the xG thing. I think part of it is because our xGs. I know it takes account of various factors, but we do tend to be facing a lot of players in the box when we're taking our shots. I mean, yeah. Giroud had a a beautiful blast. I think was that a that wasn't the scissors kick, but it was something pretty acrobatic uh, just towards the end. That uh, Schmeichel got a brilliant save on. Yeah. Um. He's To me, Giroud's doing all the right things. He hasn't had a goal for a little while. It doesn't seem to have impacted his confidence. I, I think he's doing very well. I think he's playing great. I think he's doing all the assists and the knockdowns, and and he's aggressive. But somehow, uh, and it's not his fault over the course of the season, we're not putting anything like our share of the... the uh, opportunities away when you look across theo who's definitely been a culprit Mm. um alexis is coming back now yeah but you you know he's he yeah he he takes a lot of shots so that doesn't you know when we just from a stats standpoint alexis doesn't help because he takes lots of shots and hasn't fucking buried anything um but I still don't feel he's. Mi- I I guess he's missed a few really takeable chances, uh, but not a huge bunch. Um, Ramsey is definitely. He had two or three in this game where he could have buried one of those in, yeah. in former times. Yeah. The chances. It was very Southampton. The chances. Chances were there, but we're not taking them. And thank God. Thank God. Theo uh, woke up and took his. And then welcome back, Danny. You know, This could be one hell of an end of a season for Danny. I know he's yeah. missed most of it, and this was a pretty emotional day for him. You could see him afterwards being interviewed and talking about his family there, but he could have one hell of an end to a season uh, and, and really be the player that kind of made the difference for us in these critical... I mean, he may well end up start, starting very soon, yeah. but, I mean, he could be absolutely critical. As we close out these games,
3: absolutely. I think what this goal does for him. I mean, we, you know, we should keep our expectations in check a little bit as to how sharp he's going to be for the next few games. Still, but what this does, yeah, because he
2: because he had that kind of a scissor kick where he yeah. blasted it into ground. He wasn't even, you know, that. I think that's his first shot went back. So, yeah. like you say, a lot of rustiness there.
3: Yeah, and that's that's going to continue um, for you know at least a few games. But what this does is it kind of relaxes him back into things. So that if, you know, I think he'll probably start against Hull on Saturday and then after that I'd expect Mm. another three or four sub-appearances before we think of starting him again. And what this does is it just relaxes him back into things. and, And actually goals like this, they buy you a little bit of goodwill from others and, you know, for yourself in terms of if he doesn't score for the next three or four games, he's still got that one in his locker. Um, And that counts for a lot. You know, Like Freddie Lindbergh is a great example in terms of, actually for his first 18 months at Arsenal, he was well off. He was well off the pace. Um, It really took him a long time to adjust. But he scored on his debut versus Man United, and that buys you a lot of time and a lot of goodwill. Um, and yeah. you know this—if he doesn't really make another significant contribution for another month or so, this is very much in his locker. Um, and, yeah. and and I think that counts for a lot—not just because of what other people think of him, but I, in terms of his his own self-esteem, um, if that makes sense. That that just helps him think: right, yeah. I'm a part of this, and actually, I'm a significant part. And um, just. Yeah, just relaxes him back into his stride a little bit, I think.
2: Yeah, no, I think that's right. So, we haven't talked about the midfield, but we definitely need to. So, we started with Coquelin this time Mm. in the Flamini spot. Um, How do you think Coquelin and Ramsey did?
3: Um, Yeah, I thought they were good. I thought they were good. I thought um, both of them very alive to Leicester's threat. Um, Coquelin, you know, took a cynical yellow card in... In the first half, which which you know that's kind of what he's there for. Um, he ended up, I think, getting himself subbed because he would lost his cool a little bit. Now I don't yeah. know if you saw this on the TV, but as soon as Simpson was sent off, he kind of he you know it's, it's very good in many ways, but he really you know he started he went up to the the north bank and he was throwing his arms up, you know, getting everyone. Mm. G'd up and things like that, which is great, but it did kind of look like he'd lost his head a little bit. And then again, you know, when Mares was being subbed, he was absolutely right to make the point he did, and someone in that team should have made that point, but not him, because he'd just been booked. Someone else should have made it. And I know we spoke a few weeks ago. He
2: just shoved him.
3: Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then that causes a melee, and he shoves him again, and you've got to be very, very careful. Um, at that point yep. and I know we spoke a couple of weeks ago and you suggested when I was kind of complaining about Arsenal's lack of uh, or Arsenal being too nice and you suggested that Coquelin might be the person to amend that and I, I think we saw a bit of that but I don't think on a yellow card I think on a yellow card you've got to pick the moments um, a little bit Yeah. Um, but other than that I, th- I thought he played well I thought he covered the space very well I thought Ramsey was very good Um other a safer shooting, which which was quite poor actually, um, but I, th- I thought he did everything pretty well. Um, again, you know, he was competing well. He was kind of plugging gaps. He was getting forward and supporting. He was just being that all-round midfielder that that we know he is um, and that he can be. Um, so I, I, I thought those two worked worked pretty well, um, really. Leicester only really caught us out the once, I think, in the whole game that I can really think of. And that that was.
2: Maybe twice. There was the drink water over to Vardy header. Yes. Yeah, yeah,
3: yeah. Yeah, and that was, you know, that was a good cross. I, th- I think in terms of. It like, was.
2: It was brilliant, to be honest. Yeah,
3: and he, he did really well to get up in a brilliant piece of handling by Czech. Um, mm, superb. Juggle that on the line in the way he did. Um, but. You know, I think they only went through us the once and only really caught us on the counter, which is, you know, their their big strength. Yeah. Um They only did that the once, and and you know, it, it proved to be pretty costly because I ended up scoring.
2: Um, what, what did did you think it was a penalty? On uh, on Bardi. <sighs> so uh, I'm maybe a bit odd on these things. Uh, so I guess the direct answer is do, uh, no, I don't think it was a penalty, but. I don't think that matters. I think they did what they do with Vardy. I think he took too big a touch, which put the ball right where Monreal would snap at it. And it put Vardy off balance and meant that his only way of coming out with the ball was to knock it one way while he went the other way. Uh, I think think he went looking for the penalty. Yeah. But all day long, those are the situations that Leicester are looking for. And they did it to a t- did it to us twice, they did it to Monreal twice, so if it, if it had been us and Oxley chamberlain up the other end which he's well capable of doing something similar, he mm-hmm. has the speed skills and the tendency to go down in the box if he gets a chance, I'd have been fucking fine with it, yeah. so it, it's like there's the technical aspects and there's the i know people hate this word because it sounds like cheating but did he earn it I kind of think they earned one out of those two penalties
3: yeah I, I i think at the time I was incensed i i really thought it was a guy but I, I still kind of do in that i think he initiated the contact um however i i kind of i looked up the rules on this because i just i just wasn't really clear, um, I suppose, and there's something in the directive about, um, about impeding the progress of an opponent, and that doesn't necessarily mean tripping them up, it can just mean being in their way, um, because once you get in their way and you don't get the ball, they are under no obligation to run around you, they can just run into you and that's it, um, and they, yeah. they did away years ago. In 2004, they did away with obstruction in the penalty area. That concept does not exist anymore. Obstruction yeah. in the penalty area is a foul. So there is—he definitely played for it, and I think you can see by the way he goes down. You know, he kicks Monreal's leg to make sure the contact's yeah. there. But if you do look at it, and if you like freeze frame it at a certain moments, Monreal is in the path of Vardy's uh, yeah. path, and that rule does say, you know if you're impeding the path of the opponent and you don't take the ball then then it's a penalty it's it's one of those very very blurry lines um, yeah. and and you know v- Vardy Vardy plays on those
2: um, He
3: does you know I I still think and it may be my Arsenal bias but I still think there was just a little kind of and everyone, everyone, around, you know, it was on my side of the stadium, everyone around me and down in the lower tier was incensed and it was because the way he went down was clearly quite unnatural and that's because yep. he kind of flipped his leg out a little bit and kicked Monrail and went down and that's quite obvious when someone does that. But at the same time, like I say, if Monrail, you know, if you stick your foot out and you don't get the ball, then, <clears throat> and you're in the path of the ball, then you know it it can
2: be a penalty so um so uh, i i think that makes loads of sense the thing i have against it is that he concocted the situation very cleverly by knocking the ball to his right so that the ball was now you can debate what's in your path or not yeah. but this whole thing only worked because he knocked it so he knocked it too far ahead and to stop montreal getting the ball he Knocked it straight right while he's now off balance. So he's tumbling forward. So uh, it's just one of those, I don't know how you split it. But I do know that these are the kinds of, you know, they've got more penalties than anybody else in the league because they do this. This is what they do. They they get your fullback tied in a knot. Mares did it to Monreal. And probably the only reason it wasn't a penalty the second time with Mares. Is because Monreal saw it coming from just having mm. been through this and literally turned his back and ran yeah. away from him. Yeah. And so, so at the end of the day, it's kind of there's the technical aspects and there's the given the way football is played, did they play for this and get it and succeed? And you've got to say, this was what they were looking for tying Monreal in a knot. And, and they pulled it off so i don't know yeah, yeah. Uh, it adrian clark seemed to be fine with it as a penalty uh other people who i respect seem to think it wasn't other people are undecided and i think that kind of tells you it's it's, it's not an exact science this no, penalty shit and, and um, then you got the rest the you got what you saw at, at full speed and what you saw at replay and then yeah. you know It's, um. I don't know how the referee knows.
3: And I mean, that's the thing. And this is, um, one of the things, I think one of the fundamental things that people misunderstand about, um, refereeing decisions. Um, I, I always dislike that. Oh, but where's the consistency? If, if you actually sit and read the rules, most of it's down to interpretation. And, um, this, this, and so therefore is subjective. Um, and this is, this is one of those ones because, you know, the rules are, if you look at the language, it's, fairly vague in most most uh, instances. And again, on this one, you know, for, for some people, monrail is impeding the path to the ball and therefore it's a foul to other people. Vardy's just run into him and fall, fallen over and different referees will see that differently. And that's the reason there's no consistency because there's not supposed to be, really. So, yeah, um, yeah it's, it's one of those things. Um, sometimes you'll get them, sometimes you won't. Um, and Arsenal don't get a lot of penalties because no. I don't think we look for those situations.
2: Yeah. No, agreed.
3: But All right, so. we're we're agreed that it was definitely a foul on Ozil in the build-up.
2: Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, I guess my feeling on those things, personally, the way I deal with them is I look at them as separate incidences. Yeah. Otherwise, I feel robbed and aggrieved, and it upsets me, and I can't sleep at night. Because yeah. Yeah, but uh, Bobby McMahon did an, a good piece in Forbes.com on sliding doors and he mentions, you know, he starts from that moment, the foul by Wes Morgan, I think it was, on yep. Ozil and it, just a series of these sliding door moments through the game. This game was 97 different games, depending on the outcome of all sorts of different moments, yep. more more so, I think, than other games. I mean, it changed utterly after the red card, but it also changed after the penalty. But it changed just before that when Wes Morgan uh, wasn't penalized. And then Leicester do what Leicester do, which is they pounce on those crumbs, yeah. played it brilliantly through our midfield. I mean, how often does Koscielny miss a tackle that yeah. badly? Yeah. Which tells you how, how lightning they are as they play through midfield. I mean, credit to Leicester. Yeah. They're going to continue doing this, I think, all season. But maybe we gave other teams the blueprint to how, for how to beat them, which is they have two tall centre-backs. Everybody else is a midget. Yeah. Fucking aerial bombard the shit out of them Yeah. Um, if you have what it takes. Use those wings. I mean, they live and die by the sword with regard to the wings too. They they want you to play into those wings because now you've pulled your full backs forward and they hit you on the counter as they kind of did with us. Um monreal gets pulled into he's very unlucky actually because he he actually gets into midfield and intercepts that ball quite strongly yeah but some fucker heads it back uh up the wing or up up to midfield and then through the wing uh you know we we so nearly that so nearly didn't happen on a couple of levels on the other hand this is what leicester do all day long or at least several times a game and they're fucking ruthless with it so absolutely Uh, but it but if a few clubs can rough them up a bit more in terms of putting in crosses and hurting them that way, maybe that's where the points start to get to drop because that's their vulnerability. They they do better out of that exchange, sacrificing the the wings deep on their side, but maybe teams aren't using it well enough to get in behind. And we certainly, you know, had we put away either of four uh, crosses from Oxlade-Chamberlain along the ground in the first half, you know, Alexis had a great shot that got blocked. He fluffed one. Uh, he got it to Giroud at the near post, but Giroud was well marked. And then there was the one where Ox got in there and cut it across, but should have shot. That was in the first two minutes. Um, there's space to be had there, and we should have taken it. But So uh, we talked about the midfield, but the what was your take on Ozil? Um, mm. Did he have a great game? Did he have a terrible game? Did he have a terrible game with four or five brilliant moments? Uh, was it just the fact that they condensed the middle so much that his fruitful starting in the middle and moving out to the right? I mean, there's a great uh, photo uh, doing the rounds on Twitter of Ozo standing with the ball, facing their packed centre in front of their defence where there's no way round it or through it so he chips it over it. I think it's the one where uh, Giroud puts the ball in the back of the net and he's offside by the blink of an eye. Yes, by an hour, by a yard, but in reality in terms of timing, by the blink of an eye and he probably had three or four of those balls over the top mm-hmm. um, during the game and was it just they... They locked him out of the middle, and that's why he didn't look so good. It seemed like they were pouncing on him as if they expected him to do that thing where he dallies on the ball and buys himself time. And they said, fuck it, you're not getting any time.
3: Mm. Yeah, I it, it, this was I, I kind of thought I had Ozil figured out, um, you know, this kind of, oh, he looks like he's had a bad game. And you watch the highlights, he's had a good game. And I didn't feel like that had happened to me for a while. Uh, th- that definitely happened to me here <laughs> because... At at the time in the stadium, I thought I thought it was poor. I really did. I thought, um, and I think a lot of that is a symptom of. um, I used to say this about Chesney when people had a problem with Chesney's distribution. Chesney's distribution was really good. It's just he took a risk, but he'd usually get it right. But because he'd make, he was calmer than everyone in the stadium. And everyone would shit yeah. themselves, but he'd get it right. <laughs> They'd go, what are you doing? Yeah. What are you doing? But he'd get yeah, it right. No, I'm 100% right.
2: with you on this. And I so never they... understood the level of meltdown on Chesney's distribution. I'm like, yeah. he, he's no worse than anybody else and, and often better. So anyway, Yeah,
3: he used to go and pick out the fullback and everyone would go, what are you doing? What are you doing? But he'd get it right. But because everyone got stressed, it's almost like a like a mental trick. Yeah that they think he lost the ball, but he didn't. It's just they got stressed. And I kind of think this happens with Erzul because what I, I kept saying to myself during the game is that I kept just seeing him get hassled off the ball, and I was just thinking, you know, because the thing is with Erzul, no matter what's happening, he's playing his way, and that's the end of it. Yep. Um, and, you know, I said after the Chelsea game, I was disappointed with him, because I don't think he adapted to what the game demanded. Um, and I, that's what I felt at the time in the stadium. I just thought, mate, every single time you get the ball, you've got two of their players at least like up your arse. and you've got to be alive to that. You you know this has happened. You've received the ball 30, 40 times, and this has happened. You have to understand you haven't got the time to do you know to to kind of mess about with it. And and actually it was a lovely move in the first half. I remember pointing this out to the guys I was sat with where he did that back heel to Chamberlain next to the touchline, and we were saying, that's it, one touch, because every time he had the ball and Alexis had the ball, they had two players on him at least, and that means that a teammate five or ten yards away is free um, if you've got two on you, and I kept just thinking to myself, to, to both of them, to be fair, I was thinking, if you can just find a way to touch it first time, You've got, you've definitely got a teammate free um, at close proximity, and my frustration at the time with Özil was that he kept receiving the ball and then wanting three or four touches, and but then I, you know, I watched the highlights back, and again he was just involved in everything, um, yeah, pretty much. I, I thought he was much, much better when he got close to Alexis out wide than he was in the centre um and when um when welbeck was shaping up to come on you know we were speculating who might come off because you know there's there's not really a, a, an no. obvious defensive option to take off and i was you know said to the guys i sit with like i'm tempted to say that Urzul should come off but you fool yeah yeah but but i never want Urzul to come off even when i don't think he's playing well and the reason for that we saw in the 94th minute um, effectively, because he is always capable of giving you a through ball or giving you something. And actually, he played a lot more of them than I thought. You know, that Mertesacker header, he played yep. that one beautifully well as well. And, um, D-
2: the Giroud offside. I mean, it was yeah. the blink of an eye. Yeah. He, he had
3: that over the top. You know, he had the measure of that. Yeah. That first time passed to Ramsey when, you know, Ramsey was in a foot race with yeah. Schmeichel, you know, and you yep. look back on things like that. And, you know, it's just like, yeah, those, 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 it feels like those were the only four or five decent things he really did in the game. But, yeah, know, they're big things and they matter. So,
2: they do. I wonder if he wasn't a bit tired, though. Yeah. Uh, and if he, and if they didn't specifically target the fact that he dallies on the ball to, to, with a purpose. Because mm. he ended up losing the ball ten times. Mm. And, and uh lost possession 10 times don't know where i got that stat from but i picked it up along the way and it was definitely it seemed like anywhere he, anytime he got near the center they were all over him and he, his the pace he plays at normally he can kind of dally his way around it but i just wonder if he wasn't a little tired but his brilliance shone through uh his vision uh didn't get tired even if he's Maybe he needs, you know, he won't play against Hull, you would expect. No. Maybe maybe he needs this little raster now before. And Barcelona should be an exciting enough game. His adrenaline should be pumping. Hopefully that'll kind of breathe. Because he's, he's basically played every game this season so far. God bless him. Pretty much, anyway. I think yeah. he's missed one or two. Yeah.
3: So. Yeah, I, he missed Newcastle because he was ill and they gave him yeah. stoke off. And I think that's about it not played any part in the FA Cup I don't expect him to even be on the bench on Saturday, I expect that to continue so yeah I mean definitely, he definitely has cause to be a bit fatigued and he did look it um, to me, there was a point with about five minutes to go where I think he lost the ball and he kind of started huffing and puffing his way back and Giroud from about 20 yards behind him just goes steaming past him to go and win the ball back
2: Um, yeah Um, That was a great moment for Giroud and I think showed his mentality because that was late in the game and showed his overall, his kind of all round contribution. I mean, he really put in a shift. All I mean, when you consider he's been banging up against the centre-backs all game, he won every bloody header practically. Uh, That's not really an exaggeration, but only a slight one. He won every bloody header during that game. Yeah. i mean yeah. fair fair folks to him we get, we give him plenty of criticism along the way but uh, i think he did a hell of a game yeah. against uh,
3: a- absolutely and, and it and it was you know it was um it was the sort of game i think like your big players play for you in terms of they recognize the importance and they just raise it that little 1 or 2% in terms of intensity because they recognize You know, and this is something Giroud has got much, much better at in the last eighteen months. Is you know his kind of record and his performances in these kind of bigger games is really, really getting much, much better now. Um And that's as much uh, an element of him varying his play a little bit, but that's as much a mentality thing. I think that's something that that he's clearly worked on, and that's it's very difficult to work on something like that because it's very difficult. To change the way you think and the way you're wired. Um, yep. that takes a lot of effort to do that. Um, and I guess one of the things we forget about Giroud is he's actually won a league title with a very unfancy yeah. side. So actually he's, he's got a little, he's got some experience of, um, of a run in as well. He's, you know, he has, he's got that t-shirt. So, um, that could be very valuable because I, I expect him to start most games, uh, yep. now. To, until the end of the season.
2: Yeah, I do too. Do you, so, when Welbeck's got played in a little bit, do you think he's going to be basically the right wing starter?
3: I think he could well be. Yes. Yeah. Um, I think. Yeah. Give it. Give it another month or so. Um, I think that could happen. And then because he because
2: he gives you a bit of everything, doesn't he? Exactly. And he's such a handful.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I. I think what what you'll have. It's kind of what we were seeing just before he got injured when Walcott was quite out of favour, where Walcott got this kind of super sub um, role and and Welbeck was starting games, and then you bring on Walcott for the last 20 minutes or so. I I think that eventually we'll probably see a bit of a reversion um, to that. And I I think, you know, we've not really ever seen Welbeck and Bellerin together on the right, have we? That's that's not really a thing that's happened. Fascinate to see how that might work, if at all. Um, yeah, I, I, I imagine it might work quite nicely, uh, and actually, and actually give Welbeck the chance to go in the field,
2: um, yeah, a little bit and kind of join Giroud. And just his ability to add to the press. I mean, Giroud is a good presser. Yeah. Um, Welbeck's a great presser. Sanchez is a great presser. Ramsey and Cacilah, you're going to have a front. Uh, five, I mean, Ozil's actually pretty clever about his pressing. He yeah. picks his moments. Yeah. You're going to have a front five or six. In fact, you often see Ozil getting frustrated with other people about their, yeah, their lack of intelligence in it. I think he's just very picky. I mean, there are times when his body language is different and maybe that's not the mode he's in. But I think it's a game – in a game where we've decided – pressing, counter pressing is a tactic. Those are the ones he gets frustrated because the guys aren't switching on and off at the right times. And when you look at who are up against potentially Spurs uh well not potentially Spurs and what you know, we're gonna have to play uh teams like Swansea and then we're gonna have to get results away from home against teams like United, that ability to press and make opportunities and get position get possession mm. Uh, you could see why that front five or six... I mean, Coquelin's just fucking ace at getting nipping in there, getting the ball. Ramsey's all energy in action. Uh, we might become one of the pressing teams of the Premier League, which I think has all frustrated us a little bit, how we suffer at it and how we haven't always taken advantage of it. But it will be interesting to see if this last quarter of the season is the one defined by us finding our pressing game.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um so in terms of the final result, um not so much what do you think it does to Arsenal. What do you think it does to Leicester?
2: I think they're okay. I think um I think what's his face, uh who's the manager again? Ranieri. Shit. Ranieri. Um I think he handled it really well. I think he complained a bit about the results but made out like it was no no real thing. I think they got a nice little break now. Uh, I think their results... I think they're pretty happy with the results they got um, with City and in the last few games. Uh, I think they can put it down to a travesty of justice against them. So, uh, unfortunately, you wanted to come out of this weekend with two teams feeling good and two teams gutted. But I think, really, there's three teams feeling pretty good. There's still top of the league their fixture list they gotta look however they come out of that game they look at that fixture list and say shit it's all there for us so I think they come out of it okay I think Spurs come out of it with the wind in their sails feeling fucking great unfortunately I think we'll feel really good but I I think the thing the real thing I take out of those three teams and the thing that makes me feel better is you can't talk about Arsenal like you can talk about Spurs and Leicester, where they've had the same team all year, yeah. and it's not going to get any stronger. We've had, we're about to go into our third team. We had a team that looked fucking brilliant as it slowly built up in the first third of the season. One that's been holding on by its fingernails as our stats slowly drop in terms of contribution and opportunities and anything generated from midfield has just kind of gradually ground down. And now if these guys stay fit, it's a whole new ball game. It's mm. on baby. And, you know, our our defence has been rock solid, I would say, given half a chance or you know, as rock solid as a team who often plays a high line is ever going to be. Yeah. Um, and when I look at our front five or six and the options off the bench, I'm like, this is a whole new arsenal that's not been factored in here. And if we go on a run, which we should, we can win the games that that when you look at our fixture lists on paper, you know, when I, when I look at it on paper, I ship myself and then I say, this is a different arsenal team. Anything can and probably will happen here.
3: Yeah, yeah. I am. Um, I, I read it slightly differently in terms of Leicester. I think. Um, yeah. I think this is very damaging um, for them. Good. I think, I, good. I think if I prefer,
2: have, I just want to say now, Tim. I prefer your reading of it. Now, go on.
3: <laughs> I I think if you'd have given them six points out of nine, with the three games they've got, they'd, they'd have been well happy, and I think everyone would have said, yeah. "Wow, that's a really good return." Um, but to lose it in the last minute like that, I, I think, mm. I think if we'd have just beaten them 2-1, I think it might have been a bit different, but I think to lose it like this is quite gutting, um yeah. for them, and it's the first time this season they've had a real knock to the confidence. Um yeah. I think, you know, they're gonna have Danny Simpson suspended, so they have to change that back four for at least a game, and, you know, as you said, I think F365 Published something this week that was very revealing. They put, you know, what their approximation of the spine of each of the top four, um, was and how often they played together. And they had Leicester at 24. So every single game, they had Spurs yeah. 20, Arsenal six, Manchester City four. And that, that's why the table looks as it does. Um, I actually think that Leicester's upcoming games, a lot of people are commenting on, you know, how, a quote-unquote simple they look. I think it's going to be challenging for them because I think they're going to play a lot of teams who are going to concede in and they're going to say, all right, you're a counter-attacking team, how about we don't yep. attack? And, you know, Leicester didn't beat Villa and they didn't beat Bournemouth over Christmas. We played like that. We sat back and just said, right, if you're going to counter-attack, we're just not even going to attack and then you can't hurt us. I think a lot of teams will do that to them now. Spurs... I think um, Spurs, Spurs have impressed me a lot. I, this is not the flaky Tottenham of old, I think. They're not reliant on individuals. They're a very, very good team. They work very hard. I think the things we've got in our favour are the fact that the Europa League's coming back. They're still in the FA Cup. They've been relying on a pretty small kind of set, section of players and they work very, very hard. Pochettino teams don't finish season strongly in general. Um I think I wanted a draw out of Spurs Man City but failing that Spurs win. And the reason for that is that I would still much rather chase Leicester and Spurs than I would Man City. I'll take the points cushion over Man City. Um because I think if if they're taken, they're not out of the race by any means, but if they're taken away from the equation and it's us, Spurs and Leicester we're the most experienced in that pack and I think that counts for an awful lot. Um, I think that could really work in our favour. I mean, how many times have we chased teams like that for fourth and picked them because ultimately we've got the nows to get over the line and we've got better players and I I think that's still true now. Um, Therefore, I would much rather chase those two than Manchester City. I'll take the points buffer over City at the moment. So, yeah. It's all going to be very close, and it's all going to be very exciting. And I'm not writing any any. I think the top four's done. I think it's going to be those four teams, which is incredible, really. Um, but I, you know, I I have more confidence of chasing those teams than I would Man City because Man City ultimately have got fabulous players and they've been there and done it. Um yeah. So I, I I think the title race took a big twist. This weekend, and certainly not an unfavourable one for us. And hopefully, it's like an economies of scale effect where we're as boosted as Leicester are downtrodden because we've been looking for this for a while for you know a set of jump cables for our season. And yeah. as stressful as it was, I think winning in the 94th minute is is the best way to do that. I think if we'd have just gone out and beaten them two nil. Yeah. Leicester might have been able Believe. to yeah Leicester might have been able to compartmentalize it and say well we had a bad day and you know even teams that win the league come here and lose and it's not a big problem and they'd have been right and they can still say that but i think it's different when it's in your grasp and taken away from you and i think it's the same in the other direction as well it's different when it looks like it's you know disappearing over the horizon and you haul it back in um, and I, I really, really hope that that's just, that's a real kickstart um, for us, and, and I, you know, I think this is Leicester's, this is the first time Leicester have been really, really challenged by adversity this season, and it'll be very interesting to see how they cope with it, and in fairness to them, they've coped with every other challenge thrown their way, so they might just power on and get on with it, like they have all season, but I'll be interested to see their next two or three games. See how they react.
2: Yeah, well, I like your theory. Uh, somehow wishing Spurs into this position feels a little bit like juggling with jellignite Ge- here. So it is, it but is. Uh, I, I, I guess it's it's uh, you're damned if it's them, you're damned if it's City. I still still would have preferred the draw. Yeah, uh, I think that w- they would have both found that somewhat deflating. Those yeah maybe Spurs not as much but it is what it is at the end of the day it's this is going to be a league that somebody has to go out and win yeah so the the challenge to us is the same either way we we're either going to become the team we ought to become or we're going to get fucked along the way anyway so exactly it is what it is so we got uh, two two games coming up here two competitions whole city Barcelona, FA Cup, Champions League. Mm. We probably don't have time to discuss both in any depth. Which one of those do you want to talk about?
3: Well, Hull's the first one. Um, Yeah. So, yeah, I I expect um, a fairly, not quite a second-string team, but, you know, some of the guys that were on the bench on Sunday. I think, you know, Joel Campbell, Theo Walcott, Danny Welbeck as a front three. Alex Iwobi? Iwobi. Yeah,
2: Iwobi. As
3: the ten. Yeah. yeah, Flamini and uh, Elneny behind them. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I that's think good. that's nicely balanced. Um, yeah. And then I think back four. would be interesting because there's, there's yeah. quite a few
2: injuries. Chambers there. has to play centre-back and right wing. <laughs> yeah, it's
3: exactly. So um, it would be interesting to see what we do there. I can't see us taking a risk with Koscielny, whether he's past it or not. Um, It looks like Gibbs has picked up another knock, and that would be quite unfortunate because ideally you'd want him to play and you'd trust him to play. Um, You know, Ospina will start. And then then it's just a case of what state the other guys are in. We might have to go with Bellerin because Chambers is going to have to play Mm. centre half. So, um, you know, we might
2: start per.
3: Yeah, yeah, I, I think he He's will. He's been yeah. rested for a couple of games. Exactly, I, I think he'll definitely start. We could go completely well. We can, you know, play Flamini at right back or something, but I don't see that yeah. um, from the start. So I think it will be, um, you know, not a reserve team by any means, but, you know, I, I wouldn't expect to see Ozil even on the bench, maybe not Ramsey either. Um, and then, you know, but other than that, have a fairly kind of strong bench, yeah. Um, you know, perhaps keep Jarud there. Um now we've got a bit more cover for his position if anything did happen. Um Chamberlain yeah. on the bench, you know, who knows Alexis maybe just in case of emergency. So you know, yeah. really we ought to have enough to get through it, but you know, we've got that Barcelona game and how much people have their eye on that. Um maybe we negate that a bit by playing a team like that who you don't expect to play against Barcelona. Um, yeah. But it will be it'll be an interesting challenge. And like like I said um, after the Burnley game, I'd rather play a team at the bottom of the Premier League than top of the Championship um, in the FA Cup. Um, and Hull, Hull are going well; they're they're flying high, um,
2: and so they're yeah. they're, they're not going to be easy at all. Interesting, good stuff. Um, so. Uh, uh, you know my uh, just hopping back to the game my abiding moment is ozil lining up that free kick on the 94th minute he mumbles some kind well some people think it's kind of a prayer Mm. um but the that stone cold blood running through his veins that perfect chip in there onto welbeck's head to me i hope that's the defining moment of our season going forward and that's where the belief comes from going forward, that we could do that when we needed to. Uh, I guess that's, my, that's, that's what I want to take away from this game at the end of the day, into the rest of the season. Hope the team does too. But, Tim, really appreciate your contribution today. Great okay. stuff, as always. I guess we'll be talking after the whole game. Yep. Thanks, Tim. Cheers. Bye-bye.
3: Bye-bye.